Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. We're talking about a new series here, Pray Until. You know, do you, this, this is a really important word for us as we go into 2019. I really feel that God, this is a word from God for our church for right now. And pray, prayer is so critical to us. It's so important to us, isn't it, in our lives. And it's our connection. It's our uh, connection to God. And um, do you ever pray and feel like nothing's happened? Your prayer's just gone out and boom, onto the floor. Or there's something missing in your prayer, or you pray and, and nothing seems to change. You don't even seem to get any sort of response. Well, the disciples had the exact same thing happen to them. And uh, they prayed in Jesus' name and nothing seemed to happen. And Jesus came and he came with him and he brought a solution to that problem. And he told them what to do. Have a look at this in Matthew 17 and verses 14 to 18. When they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic and is very ill. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring him to me. The disciples, uh, and Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. The disciples had been given authority from Jesus. They'd, they'd gone and they'd done some miracles, and they'd come back and reported to him what these incredible things that they'd seen, and he said, that's fantastic. But here they come to someone, they pray in Jesus' name, and it just falls on the floor. Nothing happens. And Jesus said, yeah, well, I can tell you what your problem is. You're unbelieving. And you're perverse. You don't have enough faith and you're corrupted. It's pretty, wow. Just give it to me in a more strong way, please, Jesus. Now, unbelieving talks about, some versions say they're faithless. They have no sense of God. Unbelieving means that you're not connected enough to God. You haven't nurtured a deep and enduring faith in God. You haven't drawn close to Him. You haven't developed that spiritual life. And it's left you diluted. It's left you uh, water, have a watered-down kind of faith. It's not a thick and rich and creamy faith. It's a watered-down faith. It's an unbelieving faith. You've become a doubter because you're not close enough to God. But that's not the only, your only problem. He says you're also perverse. He says you're corrupted. You're polluted. You've, you're actually, you're not just not connected enough to God, but you're too connected to the world. You've, you've started dabbling in some things and they've dirtied your mind. They've polluted you. So you're diluted and you're polluted. He says... Of course, this demon's not going to come out because you're not connected enough to me and you're too connected to the world. And that's true of us even today. And I can see it in my own life. There are times where I 
loosen my grip on God and I tighten my grip on other things that are right there, accessible. All of us are like that. It's not my job to to stand up here and list all the things that I don't do and all the things I uh, should not do. I don't want to do that for you either. It's the Holy Spirit's job to do that. It's our job to say, Lord, how can I be more connected? And Lord, how can I be more disconnected from the world? And the Holy Spirit will tell us, Oh, Paul, how long has it been since you spent some time walking up on the mountain with me like you did last year? How long has it been since you really hungered and thirsted when you prayed instead of just mouthed something off? Paul, how about this thing that you just seem to be, it's forming into a bit of a habit in your life. This, this area here, it's becoming something that you're quite connected to. Do you still have control over it or is it starting to have control over you? The Holy Spirit will do that and doesn't condemn us. The devil condemns us. The devil wants to say, you see, I told you, you're hopeless. You see, you can't do that. You may as well just throw everything away. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He says, come on, you can do this. You can do this. There's so much I want to share with you. I've got so much for you. Come on. Get that first love happening. Get that hunger happening. And over here, he says, you know, that thing there, does, it's not really going to do it for you. Don't put so much effort into that. Don't put so much time into that. It's not yielding any fruit. Disconnect a little bit from it. <clears throat> My mother had this uh, charming approach to issues of disconnection or, or issues of the world. Um, she would uh, talk about how she could bring in a tray of cookies, beautiful chocolate chip cookies, and she could offer them to us, and uh, they'd be, look lovely, they'd smell lovely, and then just before we take one, she'd say, by the way, I've put just a little bit of dog poo in there. Just a little bit. Do you still want some? But you know, there's so many movies, TV shows, books, even music now. And it might be a great show. It might be hilarious. It might have some great character development. It might have a super interesting plot. But there's just that little bit of dog poo it's just that little bit of language. There's just those bedroom scenes. It's just those things, and you think, oh, well, yeah, but overall, you know, it's 90% not dog poo. So I'm prepared to eat a little bit of dog poo. Are you? Because I, I reckon there's quite a lot of older shows and movies and books and things that are fantastic, and they don't, don't have any dog poo in them. Anyway, there's just a little thing for you to take with you. I've just attached it to the bottom of your shoe. All of us tend to become a little bit looser here and a little bit tighter here over time. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, that's my job. You're my child. I just want you to hold on a bit tighter here and I want you to let go a little bit more here. Look what Jesus says here. He says in Matthew 17 verse 20. Sorry, guys, I'm continuing on that same area that same chapter, verse 20, 
Jesus told, because the disciples came to him privately. They're too embarrassed to do it out in front of everybody. Hey, how come we're such big idiots? No, they went privately. So, hey, uh, why, why couldn't we get rid of that demon? And you could. And Jesus said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. He said that working, spending time in prayer, removing junk from our lives, they'd find that any obstacle or challenge can be shifted. He said nothing is too great. You can't tackle it. In verse 21, he says, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So our two problems, dilution and pollution, can be solved by prayer and fasting. Prayer solves our connection problem because it connects us to God. It's like plugging in the blue cable in the back of the computer. Ah, now I'm online. So we start praying. Oh, wow, now I'm online. It's like getting the Wi-Fi fixed. As we humble ourselves and say, actually, I really need to talk to God about this. In fact, that's probably the first thing we should do. Go to God first, pray first, and say, God, I I need you in this situation. Our connection gets restored. We go from unbelieving to believing. Uh, Prayer pushes us towards believing. And uh, on Friday, we we went out for dinner on Friday night, and uh, I couldn't pay because I haven't got my wallet. Can you pay, darling? Never said that ever before Um, in any context. (laughs) Uh, maybe once or twice. And then Saturday morning, okay, wallet, where did I leave it? Went around, couldn't find it. Checked the car, checked the house. Ran up Bunnings because I'd been there before we went out to dinner and Melanie reckons she saw me with a wallet at Bunnings and I ran, rang them on Saturday morning, yeah, as I said, and uh, no, no wallet's been handed in. Can you, I believe you have a safe where you put valuables overnight if people, because Nathan works at Bunnings. And uh, so they checked the safe, nothing there. Okay, check the car again. Pulling chairs out. Steering wheel, threw that over the fence. Ripped the whole car apart. House was turned into tornado. No wallet. So what did I do? I prayed second or third instead of first. Went to God and I did what we talked about at the end of last year. I shut the door on worry. Because that, I'm starting to worry, you know, should we cancel all the cards? How long do we wait before we cancel everything? Shut the door and worry and open the door on God. And God, you know where it is. Let's ask you to show me where it is. Please, in Jesus' name. I only did that about five, six times, that prayer. And then uh, just after lunch, get a phone call from Bunnings. Yeah, we've got your wallet here, Mr. Marshall. When would you like to come pick it up? Zong. How amazing. Prayer drove me to a place of trust. It forced me to make a decision. I kept having to choose. I'm not going to worry. I am going to trust. And prayer builds faith. And you get more faith from prayer. Okay, but that's not the only issue. Uh, As well as becoming more concentrated instead of diluted, we're also perverted because we are not connected. We're too connected to the world. And fasting is the answer to that because fasting, the simple definition of fasting is disconnecting from this world, disconnecting from something, 
in this world. Fasting is not suffering. God doesn't want you or me to suffer, but he wants you to have dominion. And as soon as we give in and let something else have us and and just drive us, we're giving up a little bit of dominion. As soon as Adam and Eve took that bite, they lost their dominion. Their body wanted that taste. Their soul wanted that thing. And they were prepared to lose their spiritual dominion as a result. When you fast from things, when you say, I'm not going to be involved with that for a season, you're going to sense, you're going to get a sense of your dominion growing. I am actually in control. Because when you take, when you say no and you take control over this world's appetites, you're actually conquering this world. And fasting is an opportunity for us to do that. Kath is a friend of ours in Sydney a 40-something-year-old woman who's decided to not have alcohol. She hasn't had alcohol for, four, uh, for three months now. She's got a young child. She says, I want to take control of my life. And I also want to show my son, who's only five or six, that you don't need alcohol to have a successful life. Fasting will give you greater dominion. It'll change you and me from being polluted to being crystal clear. It'll change us from being too connected over here to just having a a control of what we want to do and when we want to do it. Some people might think, you're crazy. But the answer is, no, I'm desperate. I'm desperate for God. I want God to do something. I want to have that connection with God. And I don't want anything else in the way. So this year we've got 35 scheduled prayer meetings. Most of them are on a Tuesday night. Uh, just go for half an hour. And then we also have 15 days worth of, uh, uh, as part of those 35, we have 15 fasting days. And the first one starts tomorrow. Tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then we have hour-long meetings when we have fasts in the evening here in the church. And I want you to ask yourself, What am I going to do with this opportunity? Because I'd like to invite you to come and join us. We want to invite you to join us and just see for yourself. You might say, oh, what's good is it going to do? Try. I promise you, you'll be surprised at what it does. We've had so many breakthroughs. In fact, fasting and prayer is a pillar of this church. There have been key moments when we've prayed and fasted and we've had breakthroughs happen. A lot to do with this building, a lot to do with, uh, you know, who our staff's going to be where we're going to go, what direction we're going to have. We fast and pray before Easter and Christmas. And uh, every Easter and Christmas, we see people come to Christ. Fasting does something, focuses us, concentrates us, and it also liberates us. And uh, there are many different ways to fast. Obviously, uh, if you go to hospital before you have surgery, they put a sign above your bed saying, nil by mouth. So you can have nothing goes in, no food or water. You can do that if you want. I think you can last about a day with that. We've done that from time to time, but we usually add in some juice, at least on the second day. Or you can do a, a fast from something that is super comfort food for you. Why do we do that? Well, because God should be our comforter. I don't need food to comfort me. 
we've been we've been living that way ever since the moment we were born. We burst out onto the scene and said, "I want some milk." We're looking to food for for comfort ever since. And God says, "That's fine, but I'm even better than food." So you can give up some comfort food. Maybe just have vegetables or rice. Or you can stop having those coffees for a couple of days. Big step there. Some of us. And so, here's some scriptures about fasting. Look at this. Matthew 9, verses 14 to 15. One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, How come your disciples don't fast like we do and the Pharisees do? And Jesus replied, Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. He said, my disciples will fast. From the moment that I'm not on the planet anymore, they will start fasting. Interesting. And he's still not here. We still fast. It's, a, it's not our idea. It's God's idea. And you can see how this worked out in Acts 13 too. It says there one day in, uh, after Jesus had, had been uh, sent to heaven, one day as the men... We're worshipping, and the, I should say here that there's women there as well in the upper room. As they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work. So we see that they started the fasting that Jesus said they would be doing. And as a result, they heard clearly the Holy Spirit speaking to them, giving them guidance. And you can hear that too. You can get that guidance that you're looking for at a time of fasting and praying. And finally, in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven, the King James New King James Version says, Paul's talking about all the things he went through. He says, I went through weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. So not only were there times where he was a bit hungry, but there were times where he fasted. So this is a New Testament thing. Fasting is a New Testament thing. I mean, you can Google the benefits of fasting and you find out 10 reasons why you should fast anyway. But Christian fasting is all about connecting with God. It's connecting with God and disconnecting from the world. Let me explain how it works. Trees are alive. True? Most of them. In Canberra, they die off because of the drought. Trees have a body. They do not have a soul or a spirit. We are triune. We have, the, we have body, soul, and spirit. Animals have a body and a soul. The soul is the mind and the emotions. You've seen dogs with their emotions, tail up, tail down. And this might upset some people, but animals don't have a spirit. Will they be in heaven? I don't know. If they are, it's more likely dogs than cats. Man. That's just a personal opinion. Please don't send any emails about that. But we have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Our body is this part of us that locates us, connects us with the physical part of the world. And our body has got its own sort of agenda. It wants to stay alive. What are you doing stopping eating? I'm dying of hunger. Feed me. You don't have to go too long before you start thinking that. Some of you are thinking that right now. What sort of food have they got at the cafe right now? It's got its own agenda. It says, I want as much food and drink as I like, and I want it when I like it. I want to have sex with whoever I want, whenever I want. That's the body speaking. Body, it's tired. I want to fall asleep right now. It doesn't matter if I'm in the middle of my shift or at work. I'm just going to 
sneak off and lay down. Your body wants to take control. The body said to Eve, go on, yeah, that's going to be so tasty. You just taste it. You can see the saliva going in your mouth just thinking about it. Fasting denies our body, brings it into submission. Instead of body being up here, body goes down here, becomes our slave instead of our master. It's a rotten master. But we also have a soul where we think and we feel and we want to know. Our soul wants to know. I don't understand. Why should I do that? I don't know why. And Eve said the same thing. Why should I? And the devil was feeding that. He said, why do you think God wants to keep this from you? And he's suggesting all these reasons. He's tempting for the soul to usurp itself and say, well, I don't understand why, so I'm not going to do it. But there are things that we're not going to know. God actually deliberately says, I'm not going to tell you why. Just trust me. Or our feelings. We get our feelings that... Our soul connects us to other people and our feelings and our mind work together. We can make up all sorts of imaginations with our mind. And suddenly someone who doesn't even know what they've done wrong, has, we've turned them into the biggest problem in our life. And the next time we see them, you can't borrow my vacuum cleaner. Because we've come up with this thing in our soul. Our soul needs to be, we need to fast. Sometimes we need to fast and, and complement a food fast with a social media fast or a screen fast and say to our mind, I don't care how bored you are. You need to focus on God for a change instead of just trying to be amused and amused. Oh, that's entertaining. Oh, that's amusing. I'm just so amused right now and I need another game because I want to be amused. That's your soul wanting to have control. But we're spirit as well. Our spirit is that part of us that connects us with God. It's a part of us that God brings alive. And fasting puts our spirit at the top. The spirit was the part of Adam and Eve. God says, just trust me. Eve had heard God. Her spirit had heard God. And yet she still said, no, I'm not going to trust you. It looks too nice. And I don't understand why anyway. So I just feel like I'm going to have it. And we are just the same. And fasting says, no, I want to retune my body. I want to bring that spirit back up. I want to let go of those things that are trying to control me. And I'm going to put God first. We're going to be more concentrated and we're going to be more purified. Instead of dilution and pollution, we have concentration and purification. And that's prayer and that's fasting. So make a decision. How many of these days are you going to do? How many would you like to do? to set your 2019 onto that path. Say, I'm putting God first in my life and I'm going to keep readjusting, retuning my, my uh, life right through the year. And you know, every time we honour God with our, ton- our time, our money and our worship, He honours us. You know, because Jesus indicates you do the prayer and fasting and you'll start unlocking things you can't unlock at the moment. You're going to unlock some things that are shut to you right now. And you're going to get some mountains that are blocking your way right now, and you're going to shift them. But you can't do it if you don't pray and fast because your body and your soul are in control. Put your spirit in control. Get concentrated. Get, get those things, let go of those, those things so they're not influencing you. And you'll see some mountains move. You might even see some demons that are trying to control you leave. Listen to this promise in Isaiah 58. 
verses 8 and 9, what are these promises from God? He says, this is all about fasting. He says, if you fast with your heart, this is what you can expect. Your light will break out like the dawn. You'll get vision. You'll see clearly again. Your recovery will spring forth. Are you facing some sickness thing that just won't leave? Well, fast and pray about it and shift it. It's a promise of God. Your righteousness will go before you. You'll be led onto the right path. Righteousness is all about doing the right thing. And if we're looking for direction, we pray and we fast, and God says, you're going to be directed in the path of righteousness. The glory of God will be your rear guard. God will protect you. And you, you will call and the Lord will answer. What is it that you want from God this year? Call and he'll answer. You'll cry out and he'll say, here I am. And suddenly God will come in feeling so close to him. Again, we'll be connected in close to God. So whether you're a, a follower of Christ or not, I challenge you to put the focus of 2019 onto your spirit and nothing else. Relax the grip on the other things that are, that are trying to drive your life and say, hang on a second, I am driving my life in the power of God and pray and connect with God and we'll see what will happen and take you back into that garden experience where we just trust God even when there's times we don't understand. Let's close our eyes. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.